Bibles together, Revelation chapter 9, and uh, we'll read verses 20 and 21, and we'll, uh, Lord willing, finish this up uh, this evening, and then, uh, Lord willing, we'll go into the events in heaven once again as we get a view from heaven and the, the little book that gets opened. All right, look at verse number 20 there, if we would, together, and these are the very words of God himself. And the rest of men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils. It's amazing, <laughs> this repenting thing that uh, that's, we're going to look at this evening. And the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils. Now, <clears throat> really what John does, he gives us here a list of five sins uh, that are the fruit of these sins. One of them is, of course, the worshiping of devils. Look there. The idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood and <clears throat> which neither can see nor hear nor walk. And then, and then verse 21, neither re repented they of their murders, number one, or number two, nor their sorceries, number three, nor their fornication, number four, nor their thefts, number five. And so, again, as we look at our text this evening, as John brings this amazing vision to a close, the Spirit of God leads him again to reveal the dark and unholy condition of men's unregenerate hearts. And really, this is what we see throughout the scripture. Think of this, brethren, for just a moment. In plain sight, <clears throat> these men have just witnessed and are witnessing and seeing a third of mankind who is being slaughtered and killed, literally, by smoke and fire and brimstone. And yet, what does the scripture tell us here? The Bible says that they will not repent and they refuse to repent. It's an amazing thing. In clear and plain sight, it is a true display, brethren, of the hearted-heartedness and rebellion against God. It's quite an amazing thing when you figure and look at this thing. They refuse, John says, to repent of the works of their hands, which literally, as we look in Scripture, is nothing more than an x-ray. That's what I call it. It is an x-ray of the heart. It's an outworking of what's actually in the heart. It's just a, taking a snapshot and then their hands, of course, that's an outward thing. This is what they're doing outwardly. It tells what the heart then is made of. In fact, this is something, brethren, that is amazing to me that <clears throat> starts and it goes all the way to the end until the Lord Jesus comes again. Men, knowing that it's God, knowing that these judgments are of God, they refuse to repent. It's an amazing thing. It really is. Let's look at just a couple of, look at Revelation chapter 16 this evening again. <clears throat> Seeing the hard-heartedness, the stoniness. This is why we always say, brethren, don't we, that for one to be saved, for one to be regenerated, for one to be born from above, it truly is a most amazing, godly miracle. I mean, if you want to look at miracles and find miracles, there's one. When God takes the stony heart, when he changes, what, what did Jeremiah write about? Amen. Can an Ethiopian change his skin? Can a leper change its spot? It cannot, apart from the miraculous working of God. And we see this again in display here in the book of Revelation. This miraculous thing that only God can do, the Spirit of God can do. Look at Revelation 16. Look there, if you would, at verse number 8. This, of course, again, is the fourth vial. Now, things are getting really ramped up here. As we remember, as we've moved along in each one of the, 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 the judgments that God is giving Things just get more and more intense. And so we've reached here the vile, if you will, judgments of God. And things are just intensified greatly. And I want you to see here verse number 8. 
And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. The men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God. Again, they refused to repent, which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Look there, if you would, at verses 10 and 11. The fifth vial gets poured. Again, men and their reaction is the same reaction. Verse 10. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. Think of this now, brother, what's happening. And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. Again, brother, we see this. They know full well it is God, the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, who's bringing these judgments. And yet, in their hardness of heart, they will not repent. In fact, if you look with me at a portion of Scripture, again, this is most interesting. When you look at this, again, we see where Abraham has a righteous judgment concerning these kinds of men. Look at Luke, if you would, for just a moment. I want you to see this. The Lord Jesus, of course, is speaking. But he speaks of Abraham making a right judgment concerning these kinds of men. This unrepentant uh, heart, if you will, apart from the miraculous working of God. Look at Luke chapter 16, again, a very familiar portion of Scripture. But I want you to see this. As Abraham, as I said, correctly diagnoses the problem. And uh, this is what we see in Luke chapter 16. Look there at verse 27. Again, we are at a very, in the, right in the midst of a very familiar portion of Scripture, the rich man Lazarus. And so I want you to see, as Jesus says, Abraham makes a right deduction. Look at verse number 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send uh, him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Okay, amen. This is exactly what we're talking about. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will what? Repent. What does he say? And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. Again, as Abraham makes a proper, if you will, deduction here, he diagnoses that the problem, brethren, is not one of evidence. <laughs> it is not one of evidence, okay? What these men and what these people on the earth are seeing, there's no lack of evidence who it's coming from. It's coming clearly from God himself, these plagues that are being launched upon them. Same thing here. He says their problem is not a lack of evidence because there is all kinds of evidence, brethren. In fact, it is a clear case of just a hard heart. The five brothers already had enough evidence, brethren, to believe, but they will not. Well, let's just practically think about that for a moment. What does that mean then? As we see what men are doing, it's an amazing thing. Men say all the time, don't they? I've had it said to me in the last month about 35 or maybe more, maybe 100 times. Brother Keith, Mark, those of us who have been out preaching, Isaac, all of us, what do they say? Prove to me that there's a God. I mean, how many times did they say that to us? I mean, over and over and over again. And you would then give them an answer. You would give them a rebuttal. Well, here's evidence of God. Look, there's evidence everywhere. This is what you see. And what would they say? They refuse to believe that God even exists. 
It's an amazing thing. Now, brother, take that a step farther. Where we're at in Revelation here in these texts that we've read. They know it's God. There is no need for any more evidence. They know it's God. And you know what? They still will not repent of the hand, works of their hands. It is a stunning thing to consider just how relevant it really is. We answer their objection. We have hours of discussion with them, brother, with these kinds of people. And you answer one objection, and next thing you know, there's another. It never ends. It's one objection after another objection after another objection, even when you're answering them biblically and properly. Brethren, again, the problem is not one of evidence. It is a problem of a hardened, rebellious heart against God. That's what this is. Our experience has been that the needed information is nothing more than a smokescreen. <laughs> That's all it is for a rebellious and unrepentant heart. That's what we see that has no intention, at least at this point, of submitting himself to God, period. <coughs> it's an amazing thing. This is what we see here even during the Great Tribulation, even when men know. I don't have to point to creation and tell you that this didn't happen by accident, that it has a divine, godly, designed order as evidence. God himself will be there proving the evidence, and yet these men still will not submit and have no intention of submitting the stony heart to God. It's a stunning thing, brother, and it really, really is. In fact, we see as we get farther into the text, as we continue here this evening, it gets deeper and deeper, and they are connected. It's an amazing thing how what one thing produces another thing, and then it gets deeper and darker, and their hearts become harder and harder and harder. It's a stunning thing. Look back there at Revelation chapter 9 there. Look at verse number 20. He says, they repented not of the works of their hands. And what were the works of their hands? Again, that's ultimately the question, isn't it, brethren? I mean, John is bringing that to our attention. The Holy Spirit of God leads him to write that. Say, hey, they're not repenting of the works of their hands. And again, it's an x-ray of their heart. They're simply living out what their heart is already telling them to do. The inner man being known by the outer actions of that man. <clears throat> but look what else they would not repent of. And the rest of men which were not killed by these plagues. Again, that's, that's a deep thing to get a hold of. A third of mankind has been squandered and squashed by God himself. And they refuse to repent. They, within eye shot, as I said, they're seeing this happen. And, uh, and repented not of the works of their hands. That they should not, what? Worship devils. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing how man's depravity will take him to where it will take him. It's an amazing thing. When one turns from God and he is left to his own devices, his own depravity, it's amazing what one will turn to. Here John says they repented not, they refused to stop worshiping devils. It's an amazing thing. Well, what does that mean? Well, they repented. They did not want to turn away from their religion, which, of course, is the worship of demons and idols. That's what John says in the text. This is how ensnared they really are in their own religion. And their rebellious desire to be free from the one true God, which is what this always is, it's always men's issue, men will knowingly and intentionally choose to follow the ultimate idol from the work of their own hands. This is what John says, amen? Now, brethren, you notice I said willfully and intentionally. They willfully and intentionally do this. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a hundred more times. Men will not follow the beast. 
nor will they worship Satan, nor will they worship the dragon, which we're going to look at unknowingly. That's not going to happen. It is something that they are willingly, intentionally, and freely doing. It's an amazing thing. Again, I use the shot. I've said it a thousand times. Okay, the shot was not the mark of the beast. You're not going to get injected by something you don't know. This is a, a mental ascent. This is a heart, heart and heart ascent. This is something that they're giving their allegiance to, willingly, intentionally, and knowingly. Look here, if you would, for just a moment at Revelation 13. We're right there. Look at here. The makings of their own hands. What is it that John is talking about? Look at Revelation chapter 13. Look at verse number 4. Again, their worship of Satan himself. Their complete and utter depravity as they are seeking not the God of holy writ, but their own God, the God of their belly. Look at verse number 4 of Revelation 13. And they worshipped the dragon, which uh, gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Look at verse 11 of that same chapter. This is the, this is the dragon that they're worshipping. Look at verse, chap verse number 11 of that same chapter. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, that causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles. And again, this is, this is something that's going to take place that will not take place to the child of God, the elect of God this will not happen to. But look what it says means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying unto them that dwell on the earth, that they should make what? An image. There it is. There's the work of their own hands. There's the outer, the inner man, the inner heart coming out. They're going to make an image. Look at what it says. To the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. Look at verse 15. And had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And so, again, this is what we see. This is the working of their own hands. This is their own heart's desire. This is where they are led. It's kind of like that portion of Scripture in 2 Peter. We think of that. Remember what Peter said. As a, as a hog, as a pig is washed and returns, right, to its what? To its stuff, to its pen, to its dirtiness. Amen. Which, again, indicates that there was never an inward change. It was an outward thing. Here we again see... By nature, this is what they're doing. As a dog returneth to his what? To his vomit. Again, Peter's saying, there was seemed to be an outward change for a while, but there was no real inner change. And this is what we see. This is just the heart of men. This is the x-ray of their hearts, making their own image, bowing down to their own works of their own hands. This is what John is saying. This is what they will not repent of, even though they know that it's God himself who is bringing these judgment. In fact, look at chapter 12, look at verse 9. They worship the dragon in chapter 13, verse 4. Who's the dragon? Look at verse 9 of chapter 12. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan was deceived the whole world. And so again, they're worshiping the devil. They're worshiping Satan. They're worshiping the dragon. This is exactly what their natures are inclined to do. And so it would be ours, brethren, if it wasn't for the grace of God. Amen. I mean, that's very, very clear and very, very simple. We never 
and should never forget that. <clears throat> look back at Revelation chapter 9, look at verse number 21 as we work through this this evening. Revelation chapter 9, look at verse number 21. So they repented not of the works of their hands, their own images, the worshiping of devils. Neither, John writes under the inspiration of God in verse 20, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their theft. So he closes the chapter with, again, the fruit, if you will, amen, uh, uh, of the habitual fruit that is found in those who have declared, and they have done that, their unholy independence and defiance of God during the great and amid the great tribulation. He says the murderers, they repented not of their murders. Well, brother, let me ask you, has murder always been present on the planet? Yeah, since the fall of man, amen, right? I mean, the first child ever born to a man and a woman, what was he? He was a murderer, amen? This, again, is in the heart. This is the nature coming out, amen? So murder's always been present. It still is today. Look at our own nation, brethren. Look, look at this craziness that we are living in. Think of this for a moment. And, and Bev, I'm not picking on you, but I'm just saying, can you imagine, think of this, and some of us who are older, when we went to school, could you ever imagine? I remember going to school, and we would sing a couple of hymns. We did. We sang hymns in the schools, believe it or not. The, the teacher would have a little Bible reading thing. We'd read the Bible. We'd sing, you know, God bless America. We'd sing some patriotic songs and learn about America as patriots. Amen. You become of patriots. And as those things have been removed, as they have turned away, brother, look what we have. I mean, if that's not some practical use for us to look at that and go, please, hang on to your children. <laughs> Keep them with you. Keep them safe in your home and teach them there. Amen. I mean, it's an amazing thing, brother, when you think about this. But you see how things have changed. Murders. John is saying that the murders are going to increase greatly. It's hard for us to imagine in our own hearts, isn't it? A country that at this point is more murderous than our own. I mean, what? No, no, think about it for a moment. I mean, every day in America, right? We have the clown show. That's what they are. They are a reprobate clown show. Okay, somebody will shoot something up, and then what do they want to do? What's the first thing they want to do? They want to take away your gun. Okay, this isn't political. This is, this is a spiritual matter. And instead of addressing the heart, which is where the murder comes from in the first place, they just want to take your guns, they want to take some inanimate object that has nothing to do with it, and they want to then what? They want to take away your freedoms. They want to strap you down. And instead of turning and bringing in the moral law of God, they're going to strap you with some more immoral and holy laws. It's stunning. But John says here, there's something different here. The murders are going to increase greatly. Again, murder's always been. But they're not, there's something here that's going to take place that we've never experienced or seen before. As far as murders go. And by the way, I should say, as we prayed for the upcoming Supreme Court um, decision, overturning, Lord willing, as I said in my prayer, you realize that we've murdered 
more babies on the altar of self and convenience than all that the Germans could ever dream of doing in their stalags and in their camps. Think of that for a moment, brother. That should strike us with just an amazing, stunning thing to consider. But John says this is nothing. Murders are going to increase. And you know what men are not going to do? They're not going to repent of their murders. Their murders. The second thing he says there, the third thing, they're not going to repent of their murders nor of their sorceries. This was interesting. Studying this out. What does this mean exactly? What is John saying? Well, sorceries comes from the word pharmamika. Uh, pharmakia. Let me get that right. I knew I was going to mispronounce it. It's Greek. <laughs> it comes from the word pharmika. We get our modern word pharmacy. Remember that word? I can say that one because it's English. Amen? It's an amazing thing. It literally means to medicate. This word literally means to medicate. It means the employment of drugs for magical purposes. It means to bring about hocus pocus. <laughs> Have you heard of that? <laughs> You've heard of that term hocus pocus, haven't you? In fact, we see hocus pocus in the Bible. It's an amazing, stunning thing. But this is where they're at. They refuse. They refuse to repent of worshiping devils, which is right where hocus pocus comes from. Right, right exactly where this thing comes from. It's, it's a stunning thing. Now, it's interesting that sorcery, the worshiping of devils and pharmica are together. Drugs. It's a stunning thing. If you talk to many foreign and unholy religious groups, they will tell you one of the things that they do is that they mix drugs with the worship of whatever it is they're worshiping, which then opens themselves up, brother. It opens the door wider for them to entertain and to fellowship with the devils. This is true. Go, go look it up. This isn't me making it up. In fact, this isn't John. John's not making this up. This is what they did. They would medicate themselves for magical and unholy sorcery type of, of purposes. In fact, in the book of Acts, we see where men repented of that. Turn with me there if you would. I want you to see this. If you would. Look at Acts chapter 19. And uh, again, a familiar portion of scripture to us. But this is the opposite. This is what men will be doing, and it's going to increase more and more and more and more. Look at our country. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Look at Acts chapter 19. Look at verse number 18. Acts chapter 19, verse number 18. <laughs> the spirits just got done beating up a man because he didn't know Je he knew Jesus and Paul, but he didn't know this guy. And look over here at verse number 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. What did they do? They, they showed the, the, the transformation, the miracle of salvation, the miracle of being born again by God, by their deeds. What were they doing? Many of them, the Bible says, many of them also which used curious arts. That's magic arts. That's sorcery. These are the things that we're talking about. It's what John says is going to increase. There's going to be a great increase in murders. There's going to be a great increase in the chasing after of occultic activity with drugs involved. <laughs> yeah. So John's saying we're going to have a bunch of drug-addicted occult members. That's what we're going to have in the last days. Look what it says there. 
the curious arts, magic arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them uh, and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God. So in other words, these men who were steeped in sorcery, these men who were steeped in magic arts, in, in uh, hocus pocus, which is what that literally means, they brought 137 years of their books and burned them all. It's an amazing thing. They were steeped in this stuff so deep that they had 137, literally 137 years of magic, hocus pocus, voodoo books that they came and burned. They had a book burning party. I kind of like that. I think we need a few of those, don't we? If we go in and get a few of those unholy books, I think we should burn a few of them. Instead of the Bible, let's burn some of that trash, amen? Instead of kicking the Bible out and putting in Heather has two mommies and every other unholy thing you can think of, why don't we repent and turn to God and teach those things that are holy? Drugs are used with sorcery because they place the person, as I said, into an altered state of mind. That's what they're designed to do whereby they become open to the contact of the realm of devils. And this is what John is saying. John is saying, as I said earlier, there's going to be a vast number of people in the future who will be drug-addicted cult members. Now, brothers, practically speaking, again, how relevant is this for us today as we live this out? Every one of these points, brother, if you notice, every one of them are pointed, is pointed right at our own nation. It's, it's stunning to, to, to think and consider that. When you think about that for a moment, there is no doubt in our day, the world we live in, that there is a spiked increase in the interest of the occult. Movies, Disney movies. <laughs> you know, Paul Harvey, I think it was in 1964, Isaac or someone just, or Elijah just brought this up to us on Sunday. You remember this, what he did. If you haven't watched this, you've got to go listen to it. Paul Harvey, I think it was 1964. The title of it is, If I Were the Devil. Go listen to it. If I were the devil, this is exactly what I would do. And it's stunning. He wasn't a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But man, it's amazing what has happened as he said it would happen. Again, this is what happens when nations turn from God and God lifts his hand and there's judgment. There's the wrath of abandonment. But... You see this here again. This is what they're doing. Very subtly, let's just watch a Disney movie. Let's set our kids down in front of it. And let's not pay attention to what's on there. Brethren, the latest one. Sounds like, you know, I, thought, I sound like an old fundamentalist and I, I love it. Because you just, you just find these things and you just apply it. The latest Buzz Lightyear. What's it called? The Lightyear? Something Lightyear. Huh? Buzz Lightyear. You know what's going on in Buzz Lightyear? This one? I've watched the other ones. We've seen them. You know what's going on in this one? There's little ears in here, but there's two women who, who make out in the cartoon, in the movie. That's designed for little kids. Okay, Brethren, there's all kinds of sorcery. There's all kinds of mysticism. There's all kinds of these things in these movies. Designed, what? To open the door. To introduce children to these kinds of things. Now, I'm not a conspiratorialist. I, I do wear a tinfoil hat. I, I do wear I put it on finally because I understand what's happening. But this is all done by design. Just like this thing this last weekend. Right? Bring your children. That is by design. 
They are after the children. They are to convert the children. Just like we are too, brethren. And this is what I'm saying. This is what's happening. The subtlety of Satan is amazing. Un parents who are unbecoming. Unattached. <laughs> you know why? Because they're busy. The government's created such a monster that they both have to work. they got to get out of the house. Well, you don't have to. Let me just say that. You don't have to. But when you're chasing, what's that old, you know, when you're chasing your neighbor because he's got a bigger boat, now you got a problem. Right? you got to sacrifice when you're young, like Wendy and I had to. You don't drive. You don't live in the best place. God's always provided. He always has. I always say that. Even when we were drinking powdered milk. Right, Isaac? <laughs> but you know what, brethren? We made a commitment to one another. We made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that no one else is taking care of our children. No one else is going to spend time training them like we're going to. Period. And I'm not saying it. I'm just saying I worked three jobs my whole life. My whole life. 30 some odd years now. And you know, the Lord has always been faithful. He's always blessed us. He's always taken care of us, even when we were drinking powdered milk. Amen? Don't turn your children over. No. Don't plop them down in front of TV to watch Disney. Because Disney has a, another agenda, as we're going to see coming up in our conference. The agenda conference. There's an agenda everywhere. There's an unholy agenda. Also, there is a holy agenda. Amen? This is an unholy agenda. This is what they're doing. They are opening the door to these things. Music, popular media. They are indeed providing a wide open door for the indoctrination of, of many. Targeting children. Introducing them to devils, witchcraft, and sorceries. This is what they're doing. Amen? exactly what they're doing. It's 10 after. How much do I have left? Well, we can finish it up. Look back there at uh, verse number 21 of Revelation chapter 9. We'll, we'll finish this up quickly. Revelation chapter 9. Look at verse 21. Look what the Spirit of God leads John to write. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor fornication. It's an amazing thing. That word fornication is translated from the Greek word pornea. Go look it up. It's our modern word where we get our word pornography from. That's exactly what that word is. A word that covers every kind, every single kind of illicit, unholy, carnal activity that men can either imagine, think, or do. It's a complete, if you will, word that covers it all. Anything unholy that you can imagine, anything unholy that you can think about, anything unholy that you can imagine doing is the word that's used here. They will not repent of these unholy things. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. In fact, this word is used again in the book of Revelation. Look at Revelation 17. Just a couple of them here and then we'll finish up. Look at Revelation 17, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 4. Now this, of course, is the doom of Babylon. Babylon, the great whore in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. 
Look what the Bible says there. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials. By the way, can I just say this? I'm not, I don't want to. I don't want to divert too far. But you know, when you're when you're using Windows, and Vicky, those of us who have used it a lot, you're typing along. I typed this verse in the in here in, into the text that I was typing, and there was a line under the under the word "war." And when I clicked on it, it said, "You should not use this word because it's offensive to some people." <laughs> Yeah, we don't want the prostitutes to be offended, right? I mean, we don't want to offend anybody. But the, the idea is this, that even in our society, a biblical word that's being used, they don't want you to use it in your Microsoft Word. <laughs> well, guess what? I left the line and it's still in there, amen? Because it's a Bible word. But look what it says. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed Fornication, that's the idea. That covers it all. That's everything you can think, everything you can imagine. They are committing this, these unholy things. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Again, the same word. Look there, if you would, in verse 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Again, as we get to this text, we'll, we'll eventually flush that out, what that is. But the idea here is that it's illicit, unholy, abominable, unimaginable, or imaginable things that they can come up with. Everything. John says they refuse and they will not repent of it. In fact, Revelation 18, verses 1 through 4, again, if you look there, uh, you don't have to read it, but this is God's view of Babylon there, and he uses the same exact word, pornea. Immorality will prevail and wax worse and worse until the Lord Jesus, what? Until he intervenes. This is the downward spiral of men. This is the downward spiral of what happens when, when they are turned loose, when God simply turns them over and brings judgment upon them. Well, again, practically speaking, if I could use that terminology or... How do we apply it? Well, brethren, again, it is so glaring to all of us this evening, isn't it? We've witnessed, and we are witnessing a day in America where things that were never spoken of privately or publicly are now what? Commonplace. It's an amazing thing to think about it. Phones and satellite and think of anything that you've got your... Think of this, brethren, for a moment. This thing right here, it's a stunning thing. It's good in so many ways. But the immorality is at your fingertips. And the push of one button. And you are in deep trouble. Unless, unless you have something in place. <laughs> like I do. I have a wife that, when I come home, and you can't lie, How's your day? Let me see your phone. How are you doing? You haven't asked me that in a while, by the way. You must have forgot. I'm just using myself as an example. Because you'll go where you don't want to go. You'll stay longer than you want to stay. You'll pay more than you're willing to pay. And this is what they're saying. This is exactly what John is saying here. This internet is piping endless streams of this stuff into our homes into our phones. Brethren, one must be ever vigilant again. Can 
I just say this? I remember when I, and I'm going to use myself because even in my own life, my own years of living, I've seen the change that's happened. When I was growing up, okay, the bars were all closed. We had these things called the blue laws. There was, there was all these things. Even as a Catholic, as a lost family, my dad and my mom took us to church. On Sunday mornings, we were in church every week. On Wednesday evenings, we were in catechism every week. Now, if you were fortunate enough, blessed of God, to grow up in a Bible-believing church, you were at Sunday morning services, you were on Wednesday evening Bible studies, you were at the revivals that were taking place. This is what we used to do. This is what families used to do. Now you have a school right over here that not only do they not encourage people that go there to go with their families to Wednesday evening service. Most churches don't even have Wednesday evening services anymore. There's a few Baptist churches, I think, that are left. Other than that, there are not many. But you have a school that not only does it not encourage you and your family to go on Wednesday night, they have football games in place of it. There's football games, there's baseball games, there's all kinds of things going on, but not the gathering of the saints. And I know Wednesday evening's not in the Bible, but brothers and sisters, wasn't life much better 40 years ago when even though you were a lost kid, your parents were taking you to church? Families were gathering together. Yeah, that's, that's amazing when you think about that and how it's all changed. And brother, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. We drove out of our, our, our place out there where we moved into, and it's stunning. Everybody has a huge boat. We drove out tonight. What were they doing? Washing. They were washing all their possessions. And I looked at the children. I said, that means nothing. Soon it will it'll have no meaning to them whatsoever. No thought of gathering with the Christians, the brothers to pray, no, no, no thought of opening the Bible together, no thought. But we're washing all of our possessions, all of our idols. We're worshiping our idols. And this is what's going to increase. This is what John is saying. This is a, going to be a major, major thing. We must be ever vigilant in watching over the hearts of our children and what we teach them how we're teaching them, what they're gleaning, what they're coming in. I mean, you can't watch TV anymore. No, you can't. In fact, some of the ads that we, we watch YouTube or, or whatever, that, YouTube, I watch a lot of that so I can control it. But even at that, on occasion, something will pop in, a commercial of some whacked out kind, and it's unholy and evil as they'll get out. Well, if you're seeing that, you know who else is if your children aren't being watched? Your children are seeing that. And you know what's happening? It's putting an impression in their mind. It's impressing upon them these unholy things. It's the craziest thing ever. Look finally at the last one there, Revelation chapter 9. <clears throat> he says, Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now, brethren, thievery has always been Thieves have always been around. They're still around. There's, there's people in Bismarck right now that get stuff stolen off their front porch. They're getting stuff stolen out of their garage. They're, 
you know, all over the dead. Thieves and theft have always been. But this is something unique again that John is revealing. The fifth crime, John says, is that of theft. Brethren, listen. The personal property and personal rights of others will have absolutely no meaning at all. This is what John is saying. They will come, now again, as we point at our own nation as it deteriorates, brethren. Think of this for a moment. As food and water and clothing and shelter become increasingly scarce, men will take whatever they want by force. This is what John is saying. As things deteriorate and decrease and men become more and more and stay more and more wicked in their sins, things like this are going to happen. The idea here is that of an, an, an abounding dishonesty and literal obliteration of any kind of moral distinction. Well, brother, think of it for a moment. I know i got to close. I said I was going to close about 25 minutes ago. Think of our own nation for a moment, practically and application-wise. What do people do? You remember a few years ago when Nike, quote-unquote, tennis shoes were hot? What were kids doing? They were killing each other over a pair of tennis shoes. They're killing each other over a T-shirt, over a coat, or something that they wanted. They will just simply take whatever they want by force. This is what's happening. This is what's spiraling. And to this day, it baffles and boggles my mind that we have a leader of this country that God has put in place by his own divine hand who will not, on one hand, utter God's name in a holy way, but will without fetter without cause, without even thinking about it, brethren, will blaspheme his holy name in minutes, as John MacArthur said in the recent sermon. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's that thing. Remember I talked about it? It's that thing. You know, don't say that thing, that thing's name. Don't say that. But you'll say that thing's name and blaspheme him until the cows come home when you're speaking unholy. It's amazing, brother. The application the practicality, the needfulness of, of Scripture never ends. It never will end. And we pray, don't we, tonight as we pray together, that the Lord will take that word, the Spirit of God will take his word and sink it deep down into us, deep down into our hearts, that no matter what, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, as we cling to Scripture and to one another, Brother, it, you, you realize you are what we have. We have one another. And other Christians, but I'm saying it's getting fewer and fewer, farther and farther between. As things go worse and worse and wax worse and worse. It's amazing. Let's pray together this evening. Father, we <clears throat> we thank you for your love for your people. We thank you for your love that you have shown in the Lord Jesus Christ. We read these texts and we study these portions of scripture and we are just amazed. As we again see the depravity of men on full display. And, it, and it's even more stunning. <laughs> even like Spurgeon said, even the devils aren't that stupid. They know who Christ is. They know who God the Father. They know who he is. And they believe in who he is. 
it's amazing. These men will see, these people these who are dwelling on the earth will see that it's God, it's you. And they still will not repent. It's a stunning, amazing thing to see. And Father, we pray. We pray this evening for our own selves. For our own hearts, for our own minds. Our own consciences as the Spirit leads us. Father, that we will cling ever tighter. We will cleave on ever tighter to the word of God, to your holiness, to your righteousness, and that we will proclaim it no matter what comes. We know the evil one will raise up, his minions will raise up against the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. And we know what Jesus said, amen, brethren, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never, ever, ever, never prevail against it. Father, we thank you for that promise. We, <clears throat> we live in that promise. We believe that promise. Father, we thank you now and pray all of these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.